Indeed, we do have an emergency, and let us recognize that emergency. Father God, we ask you, Lord, to show us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive the revelation, the warning, the recognition of the time that we are in, the place that we're in, the, the condition that we are in, Lord God, spiritually, uh, physically, uh, socially, Father God, in this world, in our country, in our own personal lives, in our families. Father, we thank you for deliverance, healing. You've got the plan. The plan is redemption. The plan is repent and be saved. The plan is to spend eternity with you, Lord God. And so I pray that today as we walk with Jesus through his last couple of hours, days on the planet in human form, that you will touch our hearts to see what we need to see and hear what we need to hear. Give us wisdom. May we speak as the oracles of God. We thank you for your word, Jesus. Thank you for coming down here, sharing with us, being with us, teaching us, giving us the promises of eternal life. Thank you for you are the reason, the portion of our life and the reason we can have hope. Amen. Amen. Well, aren't, isn't this an exciting week, though? I mean, every week with Jesus is exciting, but... Yeah, well, this is known as uh, Passion Week. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to call it Easter Week because Easter is simply a, a pagan... Pagan holiday. A pagan holiday, yeah. so we're not into pagan holidays. That's why they have rabbits. It's fertility, yeah. the goddess of fertility. Oh, my God. Rabbits and eggs, you know, Ta- but that has nothing to do with Jesus, perversion. really. Yeah. Nothing to do well, with do Jesus. Well, do you know, it, it just to interrupt you a second, every every holiday, every holy day, every important thing that the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons do, that's true and, and authenticates the Lord God and his creation, um, Satan has taken and perverted and corrupted it. Every holiday, every holy day, every equinox, every uh, mm-hmm. moon, phase of the moon, everything that God has given us, Satan has taken it for himself, corrupted and perverted it, and dressed it up with candy and colors and goodies and whatever he can, Fantasy. merchandising Fantasy it. Fantasy and yeah, merchandising. Fables, yeah. And, and so he's tried to steal it from God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the reason we celebrate this week. And so we want to focus on the real story, mm-hmm. yeah. not not the perverted story, not the one, mm-hmm. the one that can get buried underneath all the fantasy and the fables. And you know, honey, talking about fantasies and fables, people like those things. They're because we're kind of like children in a way, mm-hmm. and we we like our stories, we like our bedtime stories, we like our our fables, we like our imagination, our imagination, our mm-hmm. imaginary heroes, our our movies, our you know, all of those things, animations, comics, uh, cartoons. Um, we're just really don't want to live our real life. We don't really want to get into the real reality of, of what really life is. We want to sedate. We want to, you know, escape. We want to, you know, and, and but, but looking at this Passion Week, we're getting into the actual, you know, the hardcore, deep plowing, absolute revelation of truth of where the rubber not only meets the road, but where it answers to the road. Um, this is the the week of the cross. Yeah. So for 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 all time and for all eternity, for what really matters mm-hmm. in terms of not only us as human beings mm-hmm. and our 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 potential, our future, our destiny, but really Eternal the life. destiny of the whole universe, mm-hmm. the universes, the all of creation. Yep. This is the, the focal. Galaxies, this yes. is the mm-hmm. focal point of all creation. This is the focal point that God has brought to us, to our attention. The revelation, to, yeah. To bring us into the place of freedom and the fulfillment as to what God has called us to, to do. To but be this is the pl- this is the week where the where the natural and the supernatural, the 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 tangible and the spiritual collide at the cross. That's where they come. Yep. That's where they finally meet. Where the two dimensions, or maybe there's more than two, but that's where they meet. Where the hev- where heaven meets earth. And it's at that focal point of Jesus Christ hanging between heaven and earth on the cross to make to break down the wall of division and animosity between us. Now we know that just because Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean a whole lot of people are all all of a sudden reconciled to God. It means that whosoever will now can come through the cross into the fullness of eternal eternal life. And I think a lot of people kind of slip through the door. They kind of maybe just kind of. You know, dabble with it for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they kind of like don't realize what, what they've just entered into, and so they never explore their eternal destiny or the, 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 the eternity, the room, the promises of God, the Word of God. And so they kind of just hang by the door. But today, we're going to look as Jesus comes up into this place of his suffering 
and, um, you know, and how he addresses the critical life and death, eternal life, eternal death needs of the wages of sin is death, the soul that sin shall die, you know, our separation from God, being cut off from God, how he addresses those things in his um, last final days. These are the real, the true matters, the deepest, most critical matters that affect us all. And and in Matthew chapter 27, mm-hmm. um, we have been going through the, the book of Mark, but we're making a little little departure here today. Matthew chapter 27 and basically the whole chapter, like verses 1 through 54, deal with, you know, there, there, there's an account there of the most perverted and yet the most precious time in all of human history. It's right there. Mm-hmm. The, the gut issues of the universe are, are talked about right there. And part of it, a big part of this, is dealing with the the sufferings of Jesus Christ because the time come you know we had what we call Palm Sunday yeah well where, it, it, where we celebrate yeah. you know people he he's riding on a donkey into Jerusalem mm-hmm. the people his disciples and probably others too that just got caught up with the the, the crowd mentality they say Hosanna or, or, our Lord Lord save uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord there they're just giving accolades to him as a Messiah. Uh, but a lot of people didn't really comprehend. His disciples, even his most loyal disciples, did not comprehend what he had come to do and how he was going to do it. They're thinking particularly particularly of a, a political Messiah, a Savior, just as on our day today, people are looking to politicians and so forth to to bring, right. but, bring but, salvation and bring us what we want in our in our country. Well, Jesus is in his last week here, and it's very strategic. Every day, every hour, every minute, every event, whether we've got them in total chronological chronological order or not, he walks. He goes through the the, the triumphal entry with a riding on the donkey and all the people saying Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, to the Son of David, and and then uh, he goes in. That the next day and cleans the temple, and he um, he throws out he casts out the unclean the money changers the that which were a symbol of the uh, the, gra- the the grievous greed the covetousness um, the perversion of the things of God and then he you know there there then we begin to see in Matthew twenty two and three the the questions about his authority where did you get your authority from because in those days the rabbis got their authority from an authorization it was kind of like our t- today's seminary students they go to seminary they study under various professors and teachers and theological whatever and then they get ordained they think and they get authorized. they get they get uh, credentialed and ordained mm-hmm. and so that's exactly yes. how they did it back then um, they would go, these students would study under their rabbi teacher, and then they would go to the Sanhedrin like, uh, for, and be ordained. There'd be a, a passing down of their right to judge, to bind, to loose. They were actually called then to be the judges, to bind and to loose and to release people and blah, blah, blah. And so, but they said to Jesus, well, where'd you get your credentials? Who credentialed you? Who did you study under? Who did you? So this was their big question of authority. So then um, the, when we have Jesus's last couple of days, now think about a working week. His last day of work would have been Wednesday. That's his last full day of work. And then he goes into the Thursday, the meal, uh, the last. And then, he, of course, we have the Passion and uh, the Via Dolorosa and all of that, scourging, Pilate, da-da-da. So his last full day of work was just prior to, you know, between the triumphal entry and the big questions about authority. So when he came into the temple the next day, I am sure he was met with, and he was met with the, uh, the uh, authorities who said, "What do you? Where do you get this authority? What are you doing here?" Um, and they they met him. They were going to try to nip this uh, revolutionary movement in the in the butt of it because they had they were now it was almost out of control. And of course, they had all the people there in town uh, for the Passover starting to arrive. All excited, lots of hype and energy there. And if if there would be an explosion, things would go south. Uh, just start a little riot in the streets. You know how it would work. It just mushroom snowball, and they'd have everything out of out of control. So they were very adamant about his authority and where. You, and this was the big issue, I think, 
all the way through for Jesus. He was doing these awesome miracles and whatnot. And then eventually we get to the cross where they're mocking him um, about his miracles and power. Yeah. Well, backtracking a little bit here, um, you know, all through the ministry of Jesus, the religious people were plotting to destroy him. Always, always. The religious, the, cons- the, re- the conservative religious people and the uh, what Progressives. we call the, the, the liberals. Uh, yeah. They the were all trying to kill him and yeah, get, get they, him off the scene. They were all after him. So they they wanted to kill him. And, of course, they came to the place in Matthew, place in Matthew 26 where they they made a deal with Judas. He mm-hmm. said, you know, what will you give me? And I'll, I'll give them to you. They wanted to, you know, get him. And they thought, hey, this is going to work. And Jesus has the, the, the Last Supper with his disciples. Yeah. Um, he institutes that of basically the the, the Passover, remembrance, the table of remembrance. Yeah, the Passover was translated basically mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. what we call the Lord's Supper because he it was transferred, wasn't it? At that moment, transferred, mm-hmm. transferred mm-hmm. into the new covenant. Yeah, uh, that Jesus which is was, which is very cool because Jesus at that point he he did the he did the last Passover. By the way, they were legally uh, okay. It, it was a, a legal legally for. Uh, given permission to to celebrate the passover the day the day before the passover if you couldn't celebrate the passover on the day of passover and jesus knew he was going to be the passover the next he day so he actually probably the, thursday evening yeah the, the, the eve of yeah and mm-hmm. so what he's doing is in this whole act of this is like what we would say is communion it was that where he this is my body this is my blood do this in remembrance of me um this now became a, he instituted it as some people would call it a sacrament or a, an, as a, a remembrance. It's not a sacrament to most people, but it's a remembrance. And so when you do this, you sit down, break the bread, um, eat the bread, drink the wine. Um, it is to remember that we have entered into a new covenant, a covenant that is now um, sealed through the death of the testator, the one who is the, the maker of the testament or the, you know, the trust, if you will. And so he's dying, he's going to die, and then that officially uh, activates this new covenant. Mm-hmm. And so he's got a lot of things to do in this last week, and, um, and then, of course, it's all just ramped up. So, you know, basically at the Lord's Supper, right after that, you know, they, they said, all those are going to, you're going to be offended because of me in Matthew twenty six thirty one. This night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, mm-hmm. and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Yep. But and after I exactly that. again, I will go before you into Galilee. So he, he predicts, he said, Jesus said to Peter, he said, well, Peter says, uh, Matthew twenty six thirty three. Mm-hmm. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, this night... That mm-hmm. this night, yeah, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. So, before Jesus morning, had yeah. it, he had predicted the betrayal of Judas mm-hmm. and the denial of Peter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's it's you know the, this this three whole times evil so it's very thing, specific. Mm-hmm. It's like this whole evil vortex cloud. of vortex evil was just is, descending it, it, upon it, it, his little sheep, his little flock, yep, his little yep, himself, yep, and upon him. But we have to remember. It's for this purpose that he came. Was the Son of God manifest that, that he might destroy the that works of the evil one? The and so he's entering into the evil vortex of Satan's plot to rid this, uh, well, Israel, Jew, Jerusalem, uh, the world of this troublemaker, this bringer of truth, this truth bearer. And so it was very important. Um, but but Jesus also said when he goes up and when they when they actually catch him. In the the garden, garden of Gethsemane, he said, "Let these guys go." He says, "He says, yeah. what? Yeah." He says, "You want me? Take me. Let these guys go." And so he, in and of, of course, they were all stunned and shocked. And Peter and John followed him uh, after they ab- ab- apprehended him in the garden. Um, and there was a little scuttlebutt there. And Peter pulled out his sword and and cut the ear off of the servant of the high priest or someone, Melchus or something. Melchus, yeah. Melchus. And then Jesus fixed his ear. Thank you, Jesus. And then um, Peter put that sword away. This isn't what we're going to do right now. Again, Peter was still in his own... uh, He was trying to do things in his own uh, strength, in his own um, imagination, whatever he thought was supposed to happen here. He was going to defend Jesus, uh, which was nice, but it wasn't the thing to do. It wasn't quite the thing to do. So they lay hold of Jesus. They arrest him. 
Now, I'll just take this, take you through just a little bit of the scenario of what is what is happening, and then we can kind of go back and look okay. at these things a little closer. Okay. Okay. So Jesus is getting arrested. Okay. This is kind of the progress of this time. He's arrested. He has a religious trial before Annas and Caiaphas, the high, Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, Peter. You know, they interrogated him because they wanted to um, press some. They had to get some charges so they could take him to Pilate. They had to kind of get their act together. So they brought in some witnesses, tried to figure out if they could charge uh, Jesus with anything. The only thing they really came up with was, was what they had set him up with a couple of days earlier in the week was that um, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And they began to say he was obstructing the nation and, and, tell, and, and encouraging people not to basically pay their taxes, which, you know. Uh, was, was grounds for it was a lie, but it, they thought it'd be good grounds and pilot would jump on with that religious one. Religious people get him in trouble mm-hmm. with the Romans. So the the scenario, he's arrested, the religious trial before Annas and Caiaphas. Peter denies him. Uh, he's then he's condemned by the Sanhedrin. S- Judas goes out and commits suicide. He impales himself, probably. And jumps on a sharp stick and impales himself, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how he he dies. They had then they had was a civil trial before Pilate. There was a trial before Herod, this Idumean king that was working. Happened there with to be the in Romans. town, yeah. And then the then Pilate. Well, Pilate Herod, wanted to push Herod, the he wanted Herod, to, he wanted to pass the buck. So he well, Herod sent Herod sends him to Pilate. Right. First, Pilate sends him to Herod, and Herod says, because yeah. Jesus found uh, Pilate found out that Jesus was a Galilean, and so Herod was over Galilee, and so then Pilate says, well, let's go see what Herod has to say. So he sends Jesus over there, and they mock him, and they put this robe on him, and they, you know, so, rid- ridicule him, and then, but Herod gets nothing out of him. Jesus doesn't even talk to him; he doesn't say a word to him, and so then Herod gets frustrated, sends him back to Pilate, and then they proceed with. Now Pilate has to make the final mm-hmm. decision. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of Caiaphas's gang has showed up at, at at Pilate's house in the middle of the night, early early morning, and to press Pilate for this uh, Roman permission to crucify Jesus because Jewish people could not crucify anyone. They didn't have that was not permitted. They couldn't even kill someone without a couple of witnesses, and they couldn't even get two witnesses. So they had to have the Roman government it shows officiate. How, it shows how law abiding they were because oh, on several occasions. Jesus. They were trying to kill Jesus, and you know, if without you, Roman p- permission. Yeah. Oh, all the time pushing him over a hill and accidentally. A you know, yeah. he died of you know, this and that. But you know, the thing is, and and so if you're one screaming for justice, this wouldn't be a day to get up and join the crowds in the street because there was going to be no justice this day at all. This, there was going to be the will of God, but no justice. It was one of the most, probably the most class. The uh, it's not no probably, the most classic miscarriage of justice ever the most violent horrible case of injustice ever mm-hmm. and and we have much injustice and yet in god the himself today, the father even he he permitted it they right. they they weren't that not they're not unjust because they permitted injustice because the injustice was coming through the wills of the people who were being provoked and uh, by the enemy the demons the liars the devil and but jesus willingly submitted to it because he is the Lamb of God. And to do this, he had to be, be the Lamb of God and submit to the will of sinful men who were willing to take his life, uh, to take his life from him, to eradicate his message from the world. Because the demons did not want the message of grace and good news to be released on the world, because that would be the last thing they wanted to see the world yeah, Jesus uh, said, rejoice in. Jesus said, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinful men. Mm-hmm. And, and of course... Here's the whole deal. There's all this miscarriage of of justice, mm-hmm. humanly, religiously, and everything. Total injustice all the time. Total all lies. Time. Total perversion of of hypocrisy. Right. But, double standards. But God's plan was mm-hmm. going forward in through it, through right it, yep. through the middle of it. Right through the middle of it. Yep, and that's way. the same thing today. Right through the middle. I mean, God's, God is doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And though you may be freaking out and, you know, there were women in the streets crying, don't, don't do this, you know. And Jesus was saying, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and your children. If they do this in the green tree, what are they going to do in the dry? You know, if, if, the, the, if they're 
if this green tree can be set on fire, what's going to happen when the tinder is dry and the, and the, and the w- wickedness is full? We're, we're seeing that now. That will be the book of revelations before our eyes, being lived before our very eyes. Um, but, but see, now we're in this same, this is, this is paralleling uh, the second coming. The first coming, Jesus' finale, finale to the first coming, is born in Bethlehem. The finale is now what we're celebrating this week with the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's the grand finale to the first coming. And in the first coming, uh, it continued because he gave the, the Holy Spirit uh, to the to the uh, disciples, and it continues on. But the second coming is there's we're in that almost in that same exact place in the second coming of Jesus Christ right now, where the the followers of Jesus Christ are being violently martyred and persecuted, persecuted and and hated, about, hated and rejected. Uh, uh, you know, cut off in every which way, suffering you know, greatly, just like Jesus suffered greatly, just like his disciples suffered greatly. Um, because of this world, because of the things of this world. But um, nonetheless, it, we have to go through it. It has to be gone through. It's just like a birth process. You have to go through it. You can't go from, hey, I'm pregnant, to, hey, here's the baby. There is that transition from the baby moving from the, the inside to the outside, and it has to happen. And that's the same with our transitions here. Yeah, and the whole thing, so when Jesus is arrested... He's brought before Caiaphas and the Jewish council. Now, you, you have to think of this. The religious establishment, the main line, we could say mm-hmm. churches, the religious establishment, like, yeah. what we could even include is evangelicalism, even Pentecostalism, even... even um, Protestantism. Protestantism, all this... You know, and I, I don't want to paint a wide, too wide a brush here, but what we're seeing here, you know, and, and there are, there is the true church, there is the false church, the professing mm-hmm. church, but you're talking about the religious establishment that had thousands of years of truth brought to them mm-hmm. through the through prophets, the, through mm-hmm. the law mm-hmm. of God, the Ten the Commandments, the Word of God, the prophets, through yep. the prophets, and yet they are as they're a bunch. They, they Jesus said. You're a bunch of snakes. Yeah, he said they, they had perverted the very holy, good things of God, the, the, the things, the objects, the, the way God had set up the tabernacle. Everything, every law had been perverted. Everyone had been, they had touched and fingered with everything. Their, their dirty fingerprints had messed up everything. And so, but, the, but that's okay. God was okay with that because the law wasn't going to be useful anymore. The law was not going to save them. The law was never supposed to you know, be meant to save them. It was only meant to bring them to this place where they could be transitioned into grace. But as we see it now, the sorting out process is a scary process. We're in it now again, the sorting out. Whose side are you going to be on? I believe in these last days, you're either in or you're out. There's no middle ground. There's no middle of the road. There's no wait and see. There's going to be judgment begins at the house of God and all of these things, which churches we think are the house of God, whether they're meeting in a warehouse or whether they've got a steeple and stained glass, it doesn't matter. If they complain, if they claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, there will be a cleansing. There will be a separation. There will be a, a, a determination of whose side are you on. And if judgment begins at the house of God and by their fruits, you shall know them. Don't be shocked. Please don't give, don't throw God out with this. God is not the one to, to be thrown out in this. It's the false doctrines and it's the foolishness that's come to grab itself, a cling to the true church. I believe inside of every foolish, you know, church and every cult, there are true believers. Believers. There are really true remnant believers, but God also says to them, come out from among them, be separate, touch not the unclean thing, because God wants to judge. He's going to cleanse, he's going to heal, so that he's going to have in the last days a people, a bride, without spot or wrinkle. This is what this is all about. It's getting us to the place of pure, by the, by their by their fruits and by their love, they, they will know that you are my disciples with the love you have for one another. This is strange doctrine to most churches these days and to most followers of Jesus. Strange doctrine that you should love one another. That that's going to be the telltale hallmark, earmark sign of our being true disciples of Jesus Christ. But here we're in a mess 
right well, there well, well, you know, in you're, Matthew. You're talking about the, the love. I mean, yeah. love, love's been interpreted. We just tolerate everything wrong, everything false. Every yeah, everybody can behavior. have whatever truth they want. It's yeah. okay. You have your own truth. That's, that's not love. Well, that won't save you and that, that won't set you free. That is perverted. But uh, that's the setting here. Jesus is before the Sanhedrin, the high Jewish council. It, let's, let's imagine for a moment that if you're if your church if you're part of a church denomination of some kind you know baptist methodist whatever yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever it would be um and you're your you come to a meeting of and your ill your elders your district superintendent your all your the leaders of your denomination mm-hmm. are there in this building say a church building and you come in there and here, there's a guy there that they don't like, and they're, they have him blindfolded. Mm-hmm. They're mocking him. They're spitting on him mm-hmm. and hitting him in the face. Mm-hmm. What, what, if you go to church next Sunday and you see that going on right in your church, someone's blindfolded, being beaten, hit in the face, mocked. You would think he's a criminal. What, what, I, mean, I mean, in church. I mean, this is this, this is, is what's happening. This, yes. is, this you, was you their be, church. You would yes. be so shocked, you probably wouldn't go back there again. I would think you'd have some sense. You'd get out of there as fast as you could, or else have these guys arrest the guys that were beating them. Are the ones that needed to be arrested. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is this is what it was. And so um, he's he in in um, the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jesus is all beaten up. Already? Matthew twenty seven two, uh, and when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So they had already physically abused him, psychologically, emotionally. They hadn't yeah. yet scourged him like the, the, the Pilate did, but they had already beaten him. I'm sure with their own. Well, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so, so he was messed up. He was messed up. I mean, in in physically. Uh, Judas, of course, you know, we talked about him. He saw what had happened had, that he was condemned. Mm-hmm. He felt that, condemned that, that he was beyond condemned hope, beyond forgiveness. And, 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 and that Jesus was condemned. It's going to be bad for Jesus. It's going to be bad for him. You know, he brought again the 30 pieces of silver saying, I have sinned and I have betrayed and that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? Mm-hmm. See thou to that. Yeah. And he cast so that's your piece. problem. That's yeah. your problem. Yeah, no, no. no so then he tried to repent, I think, through the well, silver bag at them. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Yeah, because and, he wouldn't and receive and forgiveness. And of course, the chief priests, you know, they wanted to, they took the silver pieces and said, is this not lawful for to put them in the treasury because it's the price of blood. It's blood money. I mean, talk about perverted They people. knew it was blood money. They knew it was blood money, and, and they, they were going to be so God, holy, we don't want to put it we, back we in the wa- contaminate our offerings, so we'll buy we, this cemetery. We'll use it for cemetery. A, a charitable cause. They took counsel and bought oh. one at the potter's field to bury strangers in a very... Um, Noble, uh, noble. Oh wow! Uh, could, it's going to whitewash and whitewash what we just did. Yeah, it's, it's like, like divination. I mean, it's it like, appears to be such an, a gracious act, and it's just that, an act of vile wickedness. Like, are you kidding me? We got this going on all the time. Now. It's yeah, just like but nothing. It is. Yeah. So, um, so then and, he was. And he gets to Pilate, and yeah. of course, Pilate, he he knew Jesus was innocent. Yeah, he did. And he knew, but he was he was gutless. I mean, he, well, he wanted to keep the peace. I don't know how he. Peace. Yeah, that's the thing. He, I, used, he might have been a ruthless man. You know, he, he could have been ruthless, gutless. We don't know what he was, but we do know historians that historians tell him he was very. You know, he was just kind of weak and ruthless, from what we're hearing. Weak from. and ruthless are, don't seem to be the same word. But anyway, well, yeah. I suppose you can be ruthless to cover up your fear. But anyway, he yeah. was in charge. He'd been there for quite a while. Um, you know, a couple, three years for sure, at least before that. And he wanted to keep his position because in, in Rome, if you lost your position, you probably lose your head along with it. Yeah. So and he, he, he was under pressure, I mean, to keep the peace. Yeah. In, 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 in Judea, in that hill. Of course he was. Because you got all the people, you know, already Jesus had come in, you know, on, on what we call Palm Sunday, right? The triumphal mm-hmm. entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he comes in there. He's he's te- he's cleansing the temple, as you said. He's teaching. 
and all this. He's coming in there, and the there's the crowds of people are there for Passover, and there's all there's all this stirring, and you don't want to have chaos right, right. right then. So then, so then when he, they brought him to Jesus the first, uh, brought Jesus to Pilate the first time, Caiaphas of course was with them. Which we see this more in the Gospel of John chapter eighteen, but kind of the, the how that went uh, went went down. Um, so they brought him. What accusation do you make against this man? Pilate's asking them, and they answered, "said If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you." That's not answering the question. <laughs> That's just just spinning it around it, to say, "Who do you think we are? We're not going to bring you a an unguilty man." Um, then Pilate said to them, "You so, take him and judge him according to your law." Therefore, you know, he's like, "Okay, you got a law. You're so strict. You go do the you you go do the deed. You judge him according to your law." Therefore, the Jews said to him, "Oh, it is not lawful for us to put someone to death." So we already know their agenda is to put someone. To, they couldn't put anyone to death, so they brought this man. Pilate's still not sure if he's guilty of anything, and they want to put him to death. Well, they're, they're they're railroading their cause through to Pilate, you yeah. know. And then he said to them that that it, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, saying signifying by what death he would die. See, the Romans were the only ones who could crucify, and Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. Then Pilate answered the Praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, "I think he did this more privately. Are you the King of the Jews? Because he got to get away from Caiaphas for a minute." And Jesus answered, and "said Are you speaking for yourself on this?" Or did someone else tell you about me? So he's saying, are you getting a revelation here? I'm sure Jesus was just asking him to express, confess uh, what his revelation was. Um, are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate answers, am I a Jew? Do I really, I mean, do I really care? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you up to you. What have you done? So he's asking Jesus privately to confess to him what he has done. Give him a heads up on this because Pilate was not just going to throw him to the wolves without actually having a conversation with Jesus, which I think was very good of Pilate, actually. I mean, it's, 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 more, it's more noteworthy and um, righteous than anything that Caiaphas was doing. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. My, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered up to the, to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So if we wouldn't have got Pilate this private conversation, interrogation privately with Jesus, we would have never heard any of these words because Jesus wasn't saying any of this to Caiaphas. When he told Caiaphas he was the son of God, Caiaphas freaked out, r- ripped his robes and said, blasphemy, we don't need any more testimony of anybody. So he threw out the fact that they, might, they needed two witnesses. They said Jesus testified against himself. that he's, And that's interesting. If Jesus Christ would have shut his mouth and taken the fifth, so to speak, at that presentation with Caiaphas, they would have never had two witnesses. He would have never been indicted. They would have never had enough on him to take him to, to Pilate, and there would have never been a crucifixion. So in this moment where Jesus opens his mouth, instead of keeping it closed, we actually see Jesus willingly, willingly stepping into laying down his life to the will of the Father. Because if he wouldn't have said that, um, you know, I am the Son of God, there would have been no moving forward of the death sentence. So Pilate said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I am born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. This is very powerful. He's a king. Now we know he's a king. His kingdom is not for now. Not from it's not from here and it's not for now, but for this reason he's come into the world to set up a kingdom. And he says, Then those who hear his voice, everyone who, who is of the truth, is everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. This is interesting. This is a backwards way of looking at something here. You would think that you would um you would first hear his voice and then come to the truth. But that's not how he says it. He says, Everyone who is of the truth Here's my voice. What does that goes all the way back to Genesis, where in Genesis 1, 26 and 7, God said, let us make man in our image. So God made Adam and Eve man in his image to love what he loves and hate what he hates and to know the truth. So I believe our divine nature made in the image of God is a nature that is that it was built to know the truth. And when you know the truth, then when you hear it being spoken, you come to the truth. It draws you. You're resonating with it. So anyway, going on 38, verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is the truth? Love the, love the question. And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. I don't know if Jesus answered that question. Uh, Jesus already said he told us the answer to that question many moons before when he says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So Pilate says, I don't find any fault in him. He didn't do anything wrong. I can't. So 
But he says, then he's trying to get Jesus off the hook. Pilate's working a little of his, um, you know, you know, let's make a deal magic here. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they cried out. He was hoping that they'd take the deal. He didn't even make another suggestion. Then they cried again, saying, no, not this man, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber, a thief, and he was also probably scheduled he for a crucifixion. Was, he, was a, he was a murderer also. Yeah, well, in yeah. this place it says he was a robber, but we know that as well. Mm-hmm. So Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. He thought, well, maybe if I bloody him up a little bit, that'll satisfy him. They'll go home and eat their, you know, eat their um, Passover and settle down. Let me talk just a little bit here and then just a little um, segue or into the rest of what you're saying there. The, the scourging, had him scourged. Okay, we can, it can at least, you know, we can pass over that real quick. Oh, they beat him a little bit. Well, what they had is they had this, it was called the cat of nine tails. And, and the, what happened is that the Roman scourge consisted of a, is the victim was stripped and stretched against a pillar or, or bent over a low post, tied, they tied up his hands. Uh, it was a, the torture instrument there, that cat of nine tails, as it's been called. It's, it's a wooden handle uh, thing, and it's got several uh, leather thongs attached, and on the ends of them there are pieces of either sharp metal or, or, or bone, that sort of thing, or little pieces of iron, round things of iron it could be. The blow, and it was, if you saw The Passion of the Christ, the movie, they've depicted that really well in that movie. There were two men. One would hit you know, hit from one side, and then the other one would hit, and back and forth it would. And um, from one side to the other, what happened, it, it, would, just, it would just rip the flesh off the body. It would, it would cut the veins, mm-hmm. tear veins out, tear mm-hmm. arteries. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was so bad that the uh, a person's inner organs were exposed. And the ribs and, and of course, and, all of that. Yeah, well, the ribs and the, and the, meat the, off inner, the r- inner organs were exposed. And oftentimes the, the one who was being beaten died, died from the flogging. Mm-hmm. Well, and think of it, too, that Jesus had already lost blood um, in the uh, in the in the garden when he was praying. Great, he sweat great drops of great. blood, in, and this meant his capillaries were bursting. And this because meant of the pressure, the intense pressure. Yeah, um, you think you're under pressure. Hmm. It, anyway, it, so so when when they say that when the, I forget the medical term for that, yeah, but uh, but they say that anybody that has that happen to them will die. There is th- that that is the first sign of they won't recover from that. Um, and so when the capillaries are broken, well, they were broken from the inside, from the outside. Every drop of blood basically was shed. There was no no blood actually left in him because when they finally put the spear in him, water came out. There wasn't any blood left to come out. But so they beat him mercilessly, but he survived it. And then they twisted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and they put the reed in his hand and they mocked him and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him, spit in his face. This is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world. This is the one who's coming back to redeem his own, you know, who is the heir heir to the king the kingdoms of this world and they struck him on the head i how i wonder how it's going to go for them on the day of judgment um they mocked him they took the robe off they put his own clothes back on and then they led him away to be crucified well they put so, the, they put but this. before that happened they went back to Pilate with this man wearing the robe the crown the thorns and Pilate said to them in john 19 5 look look at him behold the man i mean he was like i think he even a strong man of of war his stomach was probably turned uh, to see this. And his wife came sneaking in before that and said, don't have anything to do with this, Jesus. I had a really bad dream about of him because of him. We are going to be suffering many things because of this. So that kind of freaked Pilate out so that we're getting to the point where Pilate is saying, this is crisis time and I've got to you know, save my skin here. So the chief priest saw him and the sight of blood just incited them to say it even more. Kill him, kill him, crucify him, crucify well, here, him. Here's the deal. It, it shows... And Pilate says, well, I don't find any fault in him. I found no fault in him. It shows the evil... Demonic. The demonic stuff working through human beings. Oh, and we see this today. We when they can cut today. the heads off children, um, yeah, and, innocent and it, babies and five-year-olds and 
and and throw them over five stories down or three stories down in a, in a mall. We see this kind and, and of rip, rip brutal ba- rip babies into pieces and throw them in the garbage and it's kill like, them after they're on. born. I mean, and we're supposed to be a civil society. We're not civil, and they were. We are very uncivil. We are very brutal. We, we but are the, very, but but it's interesting twisted. that but the more listen, brutal they get, the more they want. The well, more blood at, they see, the more this. they want. I mean, Jesus is a ripped up, bloody mess already. You'd think, okay, this is enough. They mm-hmm. said, no, we want more blood. We want we want him nailed on a cross. Yeah, the most cruel human and shameful punishment. way to die. This, this yes. ultimate shame, and that's why Hebrews says, and he he endured the cross, despising the shame. He didn't take on the shame. He didn't own it. He didn't say, "This is my fault. I should have done something different." He never owned the shame, and it's well, di- it's time for most of us to stop owning the shame that Satan has put upon you. That I am bad. I did something bad. I'm stupid. I'm no good. I'm guilty. Sh- shut him down. Don't own the shame. Don't agree with him. Yeah, you did something, but you, Jesus, not, but us. We get tricked into making decisions, saying things doing things, making choices that we look back and we say, how did I do that? I didn't want to do that. Why did I marry that guy? I didn't even want to marry that guy. What's going on? I mean, all these kinds of things, choices we make that we then get beat up for the rest of our life. Okay, so then um, then Jesus said, um, they said, well, uh, crucify him, crucify him. And then Jesus, the Jews answered, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be the Son of God. This goes back to the Jesus' testimony that he is the Son of God, and Caiaphas ripping his robes and saying, this is blasphemy, we've got to kill him. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. See, he was already afraid. Now he's more afraid. And went again into the praetorium, praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus did not answer him before he didn't have any more point to answer him or no more strength. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, basically, who are you kidding, Pilate? Like, you have you no power you here. You have, he says, you have, could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So he's saying, Pilate, you're sinning, but there's not the worst sin. And you, you think you have power and authority. Check it out. I was the one who gave it to you in the first place. And, you know, so God, Jesus is still in control of everything, even though he's submitting completely to the will of sinful man. And then on the, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out all the more, if you let this man go. Now he's now they're blackmailing Pilate. Now they're going to, you know, you know how they do that in politics. They pull out your back, your yeah. your record, your what tax, they tricked your tax record, or or, or what, you, or, or maybe maybe you, they got you. you picture on your, uh, they the picture, picture in yeah. your yearbook in college, right? 40 or years ago. or they set you up to do something, okay. and then they use it against his blackmail. It says, okay, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend, and don't you think we won't go tattling on you. But whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Then Pilate, when he heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place called the pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the, the preparation day of the Passover. So it was actually um, the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, um, behold, your king. And they cried out, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. Um, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. So really they're surrendering all their loyalties to the God of this world is what they're doing. Um, and so he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. So he basically gave them permission and soldiers and and uh, the wood they needed, the cross they needed, the, the nails they needed were furnished by the Roman government. Everything that they needed, the soldiers actually did the deed and the, the Caiaphas and the, the Pharisees and all the, they were just drooling that day over this removing of this rebellious troublemaker from Nazareth. But that wasn't quite the end of the story. So then they crucified him, the two and two with him, one on either side. Uh, and Jesus in the middle. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And he was written in several languages, um, uh, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, because this was a thoroughfare where people would pass mm-hmm. by and they'd see all these, the King of the Jews. And then the chief priest wanted to correct the note and say, Pilate, don't write the King of the Jews, but he said, he, but he said, but he said, I'm the King of the Jews. And Pilate says, what I've written, I've written. They didn't want to be embarrassed. Well, that this would be their king dying this yeah, way. Yeah, because this is what he did. He actually shamed them. Okay, this is your king. Look at what you just did to your king. Shame on you. So it was his kind of his last slam, 
you know, taking the last, getting the last word in here about, um, you know, connecting them as Jews with this Jew, Jesus, the King of the Jews. And, um, so then they be, then they did the crucifixion, which I don't think took long because there was hardly nothing left to do because Jesus was pretty much already dead. Well, even, even so that, you know, that there are times crucified people could be on the cross for many, many hours. Yeah, but they didn't uh, get the flogging. They didn't get the, they didn't get their capillaries broken. As much beating as Jesus did. Um, and then, you know, too, and the thing is too, he, he gave up his life. Mm -hmm. It says he yielded up. Why did he do that? Well, it was for us. Why did he do that for us? Well, because we're so lost and because he's of his great love for us. Yeah. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness, righteousness of God, God in Christ him. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, so he is, is our a, righteousness. It's, it's for God, for so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should, should not, not perish, perish but, have but have everlasting life. life. Yeah. This was the price. You know, we think of um, people that have sacrificed themselves in wars for freedom, supposedly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they that have paid a price. They've Well, they have, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful, and they're heroes to us. But this man was not a hero to anybody that day. He was the, he was the dead son of Mary, the mother of God, and, and he was John John's cousin, and John, you know, he was the leader. But many of his followers, I don't even know where they all were. I think they scattered because they uh, were afraid they for their said, lives. They said they all forsook him and fled. Well, they were afraid that they'd be next. They were, yeah. I, I'm sure oh, yeah. that they, there was very serious what, what danger. Would you, what would you have done? Well, there was serious <laughs> danger. I mean, John didn't care, I guess. He just didn't care. So so then we see, and then we experience the last seven words of Jesus on the cross, last seven very powerful last words of anybody on their deathbed, so to speak, would be cherished and uh, and studied, and, and yet his words were very few, but they were very, very powerful. And in John, we have several of them where Jesus, um, his mother stood there with him to the end. She was close to the cross, and John moved up close to her. It says, And there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, that would be John, he said to his mother, that Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the, the disciple, Behold your mother. For from that hour the disciple took her into his home. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also the aunt of John. That was John's aunt. And just to, I'm just going to go through this for a second here. In the book of uh, the Life and Times of Jesus Christ by a guy named Edersheim, he tells us who are these Marys and who these people were at the cross. It's very interesting who stood at the, the foot of the cross. Um, the first one we see here is, um, well, of course, Mary, the mother of, of Jesus, and his mother's sister. Her name, there's a comma, so it's not, her name is, was Salome. Mary's sister. And she was married. She was the mother of John. She was married to Zebedee. So the mother of John, the uh, apostle. Right, right. So, so Salome um, is the mother of James and John, the brothers who were cousins, whose father's name was Zebedee. So Salome was married to Zebedee. Remember when Jesus called the disciples, they left their father Zebedee in the boat Mm -hmm. and followed Jesus. So that was their, that was their father. So The family was standing there. And Mary, um, uh, let's see, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, um, that was the mother of uh, uh, James and Joseph. Uh, Cleophas and Joseph were brothers. So so that's also an aunt-in-law, so to speak. Um, She is Joseph's brother's wife. Joseph, the husband of Mary. Uh, Mary, right. So Cleophas... Um, they, they also added several of the disciples to the group, um, Joseph and James, the brother of, and Simeon, I believe, uh, I'm sorry, Simon the the Zealot. So five of the apostles were Jesus's first cousins. And Cleophas, by the way, his name also is rendered as Alphaeus. So James, the son of Alphaeus, yeah, the son of Alphaeus, Uh, James, Judas, Thaddeus, which Judas's other name, not Judas Iscariot, Judas Thaddeus. And Simon, so James, Judas, who's also called Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, were all all the sons of Cleophas, who is called Alphaeus, who is the um, 
the 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 sons of this um this uh Mary. So there were two she was also named Mary, Mary the wife of Cleopas. So there's Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary the wife of Cleopas. There's a lot of Marys around here. Mm-hmm. And Mary Magdalene. So there was a lot of um family represented at the foot of the cross, believe it or not. So he was giving taking care of his mother. Obviously Joseph was passed because otherwise he wouldn't have done this. And he says, "John, take care of your mother. She's now your mother." I give her to you as your mother. She's your mother. Now take care of her like your mother. Although she's your aunt, now she's your mother. And then he says, in the second, he says, and after this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, um, he said, I thirst. But there were several other things he said before that. But he also said, I thirst. So then the vessel of wine, sour wine, um, was that sits there. They put the sponge. Can you imagine how dry his mouth must have been? Mm. How absolutely dry. You think your mouth gets dry sometimes and you're tongue cleaves to the roof of your mouth and whatnot, and you're suffering and just want to drink while he was thirsty. And so they put that sponge of, of on water. And then, but before they did that, uh, right before that, I think he called out several things. He said, um, uh, he said, my, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think this is about one of the most powerful verses. Uh, why have you forsaken me? He understood abandonment. He understood the forsaken, the depression, the despair, the, the absolute despair, the crushing of, being forsaken. But you think of, that was probably his worst, Jesus, heavy, horrible right. yeah, suffering. Being for the sense of separation from God. Mm-hmm. Because, because all, he, he became sin. knew no sin became mm-hmm. sin for us, that we might become the, be the righteousness of God in him. We mentioned that earlier. But you just think of him just even physically. He's, he's all bloody. He's all wounded. He's hanging naked on a cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, nails in his hands, his feet. Hours of pain in his body, fatigue in his arms, great waves of cramps in his muscles. Skin is torn from his body. his back. Mm-hmm. He can he has to push up. Basically, how people died there on the cross usually was from suffocation, mm-hmm. because in order to breathe, they would have to pull up on the nails that were in their feet, and it was excruciating pain. Push up on so the nails. So you couldn't mm-hmm. stand. You couldn't stand the pain of pushing up to breathe, so you could breathe. So, they so people breathing. finally just stopped breathing. Or they were, that's why they broke their legs too, so they and couldn't got, push and up anymore. You had anymore. fluid in, building in, you on know, your compressing heart. on his heart. Mm-hmm. He's, you mentioned about the thirst, and and this is this is the price of our redemption, yeah. and it's it's not just you know, it's not only the mm-hmm. the um, the physical pain like you mentioned. It's you know, when he said, my God, my God, why yeah. have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is, that's where he became the curse for us. He became sin for us, separated from God, that we might be joined to God. And that, it's hard for us to comprehend that all the, the sin, anything that you name is sin, pain, sickness, disease, fear, Treachery, sexual perversion, shame, guilt, Separation, lying, yeah. um, disappointment, covetousness, Injustice. every everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all all the sin of the world was 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 laid on him. So he was like a big, um, just say scapegoat, this, like a, a scapegoat. The, the scapegoat for everybody. Because what happens is that, well. In a sense, yes, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it, and you mentioned about the scapegoat in the in the old covenant. There were the times I think it was on the Day of Atonement. They would yeah. where they would take a goat, yeah, and, and they would lay hands. The priest would lay hands on this goat and re- confess all the sins of Israel, mm-hmm. transfer all the sins of transfer, Israel to the goat. Yeah, transfer them symbolically to that goat, and then that goat was sent away. Sent away into the wilderness, yeah. never escape. That's again. what the, where the term scapegoat you know, comes and, from. And so it, the, the the psalmist says, and Isaiah said, is so far as the east is from the west, mm-hmm. so far has he removed our transgressions from us. from us. And so then we he had a, he addressed his mother, then he addressed the two thieves, and he said, um, you know, today, assuredly, I say today, you will be with me in paradise. The one who had, you know surrendered he says then he said to jesus the one thief lord remember me when you come into your kingdom so obviously this man got converted on the cross and jesus said that's it's not too late today you will be with me in paradise you'll be joining me there um 
And the other guy, we don't know where he went. He didn't make any confessions of faith. Um, and then Jesus says, um, Father, forgive them for they don't, do not know what they do. This was an incredible, uh, powerful. If Jesus on the cross, after all the things that were done to him by us human beings, he said to the Father, they have no clue what they're doing. And that's true. That's why they kept mocking him to come down from the cross, mocking him, throwing it back in his face. You saved others, save yourself. He said, they don't have a clue. Father, forgive them. And this is the power of forgiveness wow. to, to release us from those judgments that we're bringing upon ourselves for the, to, out, because of ignorance. Then he says, that in John, he says, it is finished. And this is where, well, first of all, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's, he's laying down his life. He's giving his life. He's not, he, it's not being taken from him. He's willingly saying, Father, yes. it's, it's finished. It's fin- I did it. I completed it. It's all done. The, the wages of sin has been paid completely. Satan has no more hold or claim to them, no more legal claim to them. If whosoever will can come to us, where we've bought and paid for them now with the blood. Um, into your hands I commit, commend, lay down, give up my spirit, and he breathed his last. So with this word, it is finished. What he was saying there was all that needed to be done to complete and accomplish our salvation was now finished, and the the, the law was finished. The law no longer wasn't able to save him anyway. The law was now laid to rest, and now we have a new law, and it's written in our hearts. It's to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God and love your enemies, to forgive one another, not to not kill them, but to love them. And so we move from legalism and religion and law and perfection and performance and failure and frustration and anxiety uh, and never good enough and guilt and shame and condemnation and all the things the accuser can bring up against you. We bring into peace and forgiveness. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be perfect or you can be perfect because our righteousness is his. He, we get our righteousness from him. So in that, we are perfect. And what we're to do in that righteousness is follow him. And he will continue to perfect that which concerns us, you know, um, as he said in Psalm 138.8. When he died, when he said, into my, father, into into my father's, your, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent, was, mm-hmm. was rent in two. In other words, it was torn from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. Mm-hmm. The veil there symbolized you know, the difference between the holy place from the most holy place. The holy place. So now we could all holy, go in. So we could all go in. It was, it was usually only one man, mm-hmm. one high priest, mm-hmm. once a year could go in there. Mm-hmm. And that veil was thick. Uh, some writers tell us it was probably four, four to five inches thick this veil, mm-hmm. torn in two from the top to the bottom. What was this symbolizing? It was symbolizing that now, because of Jesus, through Christ, through his death on the cross, through his wounded body, through his torn body, through his perfect sacrifice, we can come to God through him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Amen. So as the priest you know, the the veil is torn. Now, whosoever will may mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we can live in the very presence of God. We can come Amen. directly to him in Hallelujah. prayer. We don't need Thank to have you, a, the, the mediator is Jesus. There's one he mediator us between in. God mm-hmm. and man, the man Christ Jesus. And if you know Through him. Through Jesus, we come to the Father. That's right. And you know, it's very, very exciting that 30 years, 40 years after that, the the temple itself, not only was the, t- the, the veil rent, but the temple itself was torn down by the Romans and yes. has been torn down to this very day. All we have left of that temple is the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And there's but, a pile of rubble right next to it. Alongside that wall, the yeah. old temple. That, so, but now... For the second coming of Jesus, they're going to build the third temple, which is already in the mix. Um, it's just years from being made or maybe even less than a year. Who knows? But they are weaving that very veil again. The women are, are putting together that veil again. But this temple will be the third temple, the one that the Antichrist will stand in and it has to be built before um, Jesus will come back again. So we're in those very last days. And Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this first coming Thank you, Jesus, for taking, for becoming the Lamb of God. 
who takes away the sins of the world. May people appreciate it. May they get it. May their heart, uh, hearts and eyes be open. May the enemy not snatch this from them. May they not be drawn and distracted into trivial pursuit, Father God. May they know that this is urgent, that this is imperative, that this is eternal life. This determines eternal destinies here. May the children also get it, Lord. May you cause a great awakening in the hearts and the souls of the people who have not yet even heard this story one time or maybe heard it all muddled and mangled and, and let it be clarified for them that this power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your death, your resurrection will come forth to bring forth much fruit, harvest in the harvest field, souls to be saved, Father, and walk for you, Father, in Jesus' name. We ask these things. Amen and amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.